Denny Van here, your host with Heartfelt Awakening. We are continuing on our lecture series with Neville Goddard. And today we're going to be talking about one that was given on April 26, 1971. And it's entitled, Control Your Inner Conversations. I help people accelerate their personal and spiritual growth. And one of the first things that we start on is becoming aware when the mind is going. Many of us get caught up in the activity of the mind as if the mind is us. This is who we are. And one of the first things we do is we create some space between self and the activity of the mind. In this lecture, Neville gets into detail about control your inner conversations. And that's what today's lecture is about. And Neville gets right in it saying, the whole manifested world goes to show us what use we have made of God's gift. So he talks right away about this gift and the whole manifested world, basically what the world has, is showing us right now. And it shows us how we have put this gift to work. So the manifested world is showing us how we've used our gift. And he goes on to say, receiving a gift does not mean that we are going to use it wisely, but we have the gift. Everyone has the gift, and the world simply reflects the use of that gift. In The Merchant of Venice, Shakespeare puts those words into the mouth of Portia. If to do were as easy as to know what were good to do, chapels had been churches, and poor men's cottages, princes' palaces. It is a good divine who follows his own instructions. I can easier teach 20 what were good to be done than to be one of the 20 to follow my own teaching. So you and I have been given a gift. To what use have we put it? In a book written in the first century, written at the time of our gospel, it's called the Hermetica. And this is a translation by Walter Scott. It is a wonderful series of four volumes, and in this he says, there are two gifts that God has given to man alone, and to no other mortal creature, and these two gifts are mind and speech. And the gifts of mind and speech are essential and identical with immortality. If they are used rightly, Man will not differ in any respect from the immortals. And when he quits the body, these two will be his guides and they will lead him into the troop of the gods and to the souls that have attained to bliss. Now, he is not speaking of any outer speech, for you and I have had this experience. I know I have many times. You have gone to a party, and many people you do not know, you meet them and the usual greetings. Nice to know you. What a joy to know you. Pleased to meet you. And the usual cliches. And then you have drinks and your little hors d'oeuvres, and then the party breaks up and they all separate. 
and you hear someone say, what a creep, what a bore, yet they were so pleased to meet them. What a joy to know you. The outer words did not confirm whatsoever with what they were really thinking on the inside. And God sees this, not the outer man. He sees the inner man. So Denny here, this is really powerful right here. When with what we're saying, our outside words, and what we're repeating to ourselves inside don't match. But God sees this. God sees this vibrational frequency that other men don't. Because we can, on the outside, be pleasant. Oh, it's so nice to meet you, blah, blah, blah. But inside, we could be saying like what he says, what a creep, what a bore. We have these judgments with our thoughts. But outside, we're showing, oh, it's so nice to meet you. God sees this inner man that Neville is talking about. And he goes on to say, it's the inner speech that is frozen in the world round about us. The whole vast world is but frozen inner speech. What are we saying on the inside? So this frozen inner speech, it's what we repeat to ourselves constantly, right? It's our constant inner dialogue, this frozen inner speech. And he's asking, what are we saying on the inside? He goes on to say, we may think that someone really understands us. You go along believing that they understand you. And some simple little things happen and you realize they never really heard you. Not for one moment had they really heard you. Some little disruption and then the whole thing is over. And then they turn against us as though you were the devil when they formally thought you were the one who was sent. That is all in scripture. Read the seventh chapter of the book of John and the eighth chapter of John. And some said, he is a good man. And others said, no, he is leading people astray. Others said, why? He is mad and he has a devil. When he fed them with the loaves and the fish, oh, they loved it. Getting things in the world, as long as they could have the things and things and things, it was marvelous. And then he tells them of something entirely different, that they would go through furnaces, but the end would justify all the furnaces through which they would pass. The end would be God. They would awaken in the end and they would awaken as God the Father. He didn't tell them of the nature of the furnaces. He told them only of the end and that they would pass through furnaces and passing through, they faltered. They could tell exactly what they were really doing on the inside. As we are told in the 50th Psalm, if a man orders his convictions aright, I will show him the salvation of God. If one could only control these inner conversations morning, noon, and night, and carry them right into the world, he would know what world he is creating. Stop for one moment and ask yourself, 
what am I thinking now? Are you carrying on a little tiny inner speech at every moment of time? You may be in the presence of someone that the world thinks important, but you don't. And inwardly you are saying, but only God hears it. That's what you are actually saying. Outward, you are pleased to meet him and you are flattered with the contact, but inwardly, what are you saying? This is what I ask everyone to observe. Observe what you are actually doing on the inside, for that is what God sees. And what you are doing on the inside, you are doing in little tiny speech movements, and they are crystallizing in the manifested world around you. This is key. So law of attraction even says what you think about actually appears in your reality. So this is talking about crystallizing in the manifested world. So if we're habitually thinking thoughts, it is going to manifest in our manifested world. And he goes on to say, so if to do were as easy as to know what were good to do, well, we would all be kings. We all would be everything we want to be in this world. But we find it more difficult to do it than to know what to do. So I could tell you from now until the ends of time, but only practice will do it. Just practice. So he's talking about practice here, repeating it over and over again, because our thoughts repeating over and over again begin to crystallize in the manifested world. And so with practice, as we begin to practice becoming aware of what we're thinking about, and then practice thinking about what we want to habitually think about, and that becomes crystalline crystallizing in the manifested world around us. And he goes on to say, when a man, and he's referring to his brother, Victor Goddard, looks and sees a building that seems beyond his wildest dream of ever acquiring it, and he has reasons that he does not share with anyone but his mother. She is the only one he takes into his confidence. And she despairs because she knows that he could never achieve ownership of that building. It's too big, too far beyond her dreams or even ambition. But he loves her and he shares only with her what he is doing. And he sees a sign amplifying that he does own it. Well, as he looks at it, he could not read the sign and not inwardly repeat it. So inwardly, he is saying, it is my building, as he reads his own name on that building. And day after day, as he goes by, he reads his own name on the building, which implies that he has it. And then out of the blue, two years later, they fail. And a stranger comes in and offers to put the money up to buy it. He has no collateral. But that day, he was owner of the building. 
He then conducted the most fantastically marvelous, successful business in that firm for many, many years. And then an offer came that offered him many, many times more than he paid for it. He paid $50,000 for it of another person's money and sold it without any capital gain for $840,000. There was no capital gain. It was all done by inner speech, for you could not read something without using your lips. No one sees it, but I read something, and inwardly, I am repeating what I'm reading. I saw that here on the bus a few months ago, going to Beverly Hills, and here is a man reading a paper, and every word he read, he was forming with his lips. I could watch him. Could I have actually interpreted the motions of his lips? I could have told you exactly what he was reading, for he formed every word. Well, everyone is doing that, but not as obviously as he did. So you read something and actually inwardly, you are repeating the words. Well, now the whole thing is in your imagination. This is all it was to him only his imagination. That was God's gift. It is translated in the Hermetica as mind. And God has given to man and to man alone two gifts and to no other mortal creature. The gifts are mind and speech. And these are like the gifts of immortality. And by these gifts, he does not differ in any respect from the immortals if he uses them wisely. The whole world is his. So here Neville gets into what is mind? What are the two gifts? The gifts are mind and speech. And mind also meaning imagination. So imagination and mind and the ability for speech. These are gifts from God. How are we using these gifts? Neville goes on. Are we not told that the world was created by the word of God and things that are seen were made out of things that are not seen? So here, out of the nowhere, we create by inner speech through the use of what? Call it mind, if you will. I like the word imagination. To me, it inflames me. When I imagine a state, any state, if I can only persuade myself of the reality of the state imagined, that's the important thing, to believe in the reality of the state imagined, but to know what to do is not the same as doing it. So here he talks right away about the important thing is to believe it in the reality of the state imagined. So you have to imagine it with your creativity, imagination, all of your senses, your emotions as well, as if it's already happening. He goes on to say, if to do were as easy as to know what were good to do. Well then, 
Chapels had been churches and poor men's cottages, princes palaces. And how many teachers in the world follow their own instruction? And then he goes on to confess, I can easier teach 20 what were good to be done than to be one of the 20 to follow my own teaching. So I tell you, I am telling you exactly what I know from experience, whether it be the law or the promise, but I am not telling you that everyone will apply it wisely. I am not telling you that in the end, there will not be a shakedown of those who only pretended to believe. There are many who come out of the traditional background. They will return to it and they will genuflect before handmade cross or a handmade figure that hangs on the wall and cross themselves for good luck and think that the speaker who taught them in the beginning has turned into a devil. They will, but rejoice because these signs must come. It's part of scripture. And when they come into my world, I rejoice because the end is upon me. Just when they come, and they will come, and they get thinner and thinner as they separate, moving back, because they cannot go forward into the top, unto the high places of the mountain. And then you know exactly who understood you and who did not understand you. Let me now make it quite clear. You have a gift. You can speak. Even if you were dumb, you still speak. Inwardly, you speak. And you form these little speech movements within yourself. Make them conform to your wish fulfilled. So again, the importance of this inner speech. What are you telling yourself inside? What does your inner dialogue look like? Because this is your wish fulfilled. As you think about these, these things, whether it's blessings for others and wishing others well, that comes back on you fulfilled. Whether it's judging others and criticizing others, that's going to come back on you as a wish fulfilled. Neville goes on to say, do what Robert Milliken did when he was a poor boy and had nothing but a brilliant mind, a great, great understanding of literature, but he had no money and he was tired of his poverty. And knowing how the mind works, he constructed a sentence that if true would imply that he was no longer poor. And his sentence is a beautiful sentence. I have not. I am going to have. I have a lavish, steady, dependable income consistent with integrity and mutual benefits. That was the great Robert Milliken, who was the head of Caltech, who gave us his discovery of cosmic rays, who when he died could leave a fortune behind to these charities. I know that the YMCA was one of them. They got a fortune from him. He already settled on his sons and made them financially independent, but he had enough left over to give to his favorite charities and lived a full, wonderful, marvelous life where everyone who met him benefited by the actual meeting with that great man. And he started off from scratch. 
using the gift of God that he gave to every person in this world, mind and speech. Whether you be a Frenchman or an American or any other nationality, you have speech and you have mind. Instead of accepting what you have already done with the gift, you simply ignore it. You brought it into being. All this is solidified speech, the whole vast manifested world, and you turn from it and then reconstruct the sentence. Change it as this one of whom I spoke, and he's referring to his brother, Victor Goddard, changed the entire pattern. He was a poor boy, the whole family poor, behind the eight ball financially, socially and in every sense of the word, behind that eight ball, and he constructed a scene. As he read the so-called letters that implied that the family owned the building, he was repeating within himself as he read it. And it took two years, he persisted, and at the end of two years, the family owned it. And from then on, you couldn't stop them. And they are still growing and expanding and expanding and expanding because he never forgot how to apply the principle. So he was among those who didn't come within it. He found it just as easy to do it as to know what to do. And others can find it easy to know what to do, but difficult to do it. I've seen it time and time again. So he goes on to say here that if you're persistent, you keep seeing that focus, keep telling yourself, I own that building, keep seeing the name of the family on that building, even though it's a different name on the building, it's becoming real to you. You practice it within first, and then it manifests without. Neville goes on to say, I would say to them, do you not know what you are doing to yourself? Yes but just give me a, a little moment because I am so enjoying the feeling of getting even with them. You get even with no one. There is no one else in the world. As you are told, I am the Lord, and besides me, there is no God. Read it in the 45th chapter of the book of Isaiah. I am the Lord, and besides me, there is no God. What Neville is saying here is say to yourself these words, I am the Lord. Besides me, there is no God. So in other words, God is saying, there's nothing outside of you. You say these words, you are it. You are your salvation. And your salvation comes with how you use your gift. Neville goes on to say, I would say to them, do you not know what you are doing to yourself? Yes, but just give me one little moment because I am so enjoying the feeling of getting even with them. You get even with no one. There is no one else in the world. As you are told, I am the Lord, and besides me, there is no God. Read it in the 45th chapter of the book of Isaiah. I am the Lord, and besides me, there is no God. 
Now you want the word, he said. The word is very near onto you. It is in your mouth and your heart that you can do it. See, I set before you this day life and good blessings and curses, death and evil. Choose life that you and your descendants may live. The whole thing is before you. You can choose death if you want it because the word is on your tongue. It is in your mouth. It is in your heart and you can do it now. You don't have to ask who will go up to heaven and bring it down for me or go into the depths and bring it up for me. It is now nearer than you know in your mouth and in your heart that you can do it now. Well, what would you do now? What sentence would imply that you are now what you would like to be? You know what to do. And I say, it's not knowing what to do. It is the doing it. Someone got the most marvelous revelation. I was there the morning that it happened. Stop spending your thoughts, your time, and your money. Everything in life must be an investment. Someone got the most marvelous revelation. I was there the morning that it happened. Stop spending your thoughts, your time, and your money. Everything in life must be an investment. This revelation came through Neville's wife, Bill, on April 12, 1953, and is related in Awakened Imagination on page 107 and the following. And I so loved it. I incorporated that thought in the chapter, The Coin of Heaven, in my book, Awakened Imagination. She would be the first to confess, although it came through her, and it was her revelation from God to her, shared with me, and I shared it through the written form with those who read it in the book, but she is the first to confess she never applied it. There it is, but she never applied it. She was thrilled beyond measure that she was the medium through which the voice could come. And I could see her now rushing to the library and taking out the dictionary to get the true definition of the words spending and investing. To spend is to put off without hope of return, to waste. To invest is expecting a return on your equity. There must be a return on equity when you invest. Well, we are told, stop spending your thought, your time, and your money. Time must produce some return. It is precious. Your thought is speech. It must be actually invested, not wasted. And your money, everything must be invested, not wasted. And she's the first to confess. I knew I never really applied it. I thought, well, now it came through and I can go on this normal, normal way, but it doesn't work that way. If to do were as easy as to know what we're good to do, 
What a marvelous sentence. You'll find it if you have the words of Shakespeare in the first act and second scene, reference, the merchant of Venice. Put on the lips of Portia and how difficult for a man who teaches to follow his own instruction. And he himself confessed, I can easier teach 20 what were good to be done than to be one of the 20 to follow my own teaching. So I ask you to really apply it. Don't think for one second that knowing what to do is going to do anything for you. It's the doing that matters. So if every moment of time you know what to do, then do it. If you find yourself carrying on any negative conversation, break it. Even though it gives you pleasure, as it does many people, they find such fun in being critical. They think they are alone and no one sees them. So it doesn't matter. No one sees you. The only one that matters sees you every moment of time, and that's your father. He sees into the very depths of your being, and he knows exactly what you are doing. And your world is built out of these inner conversations. So today, if you are not satisfied with the world in which you live, blame no one, but turn within to these two gifts and use them wisely. For here we are told to order our life according to our conversations. Then in Ephesians, we are told, it's the fourth chapter, put off the old nature, which belongs to the former conversations and put on the new nature. The new nature is sometimes translated the new man and the old nature, the old man. Well, if I equate the old nature with the former conversations, I must equate the new man with the new conversations. So he identifies the inner speech with man's nature. So now, what am I actually doing on the inside of myself? And I am doing it morning, noon, and night. I can't stop it. If I stop for a moment, it isn't. You can't stop it. You take it into your dreams and you are still talking. You are really talking at all moments of time. So Noah is saying here, this inner conversations that we have, it's going on all the time. You can't stop it. A lot of people will try and get into meditation in order to stop their thoughts. And Neville is saying that you can't, you're talking all the time. You're talking at all moments of time. This is how the mind works. And trying to shut off the mind actually makes it worse, right? You're trying to meditate, shut off your mind, and your mind is going even more. So he's saying you can't shut it off. You can't make it stop talking. It is a gift from God. We are always going to have that inner conversation. But we have control over what types of conversations we have. And he goes on to say, so what are you saying at every moment of time? Watch it. Be careful what you are saying because your whole vast world is this inner conversation pushed out and you can change it 
only by changing the conversation because the conversation is equated with your nature. So this is our tendency. We have a tendency to either talk negative or be positive. And where are you? Are you aware of your nature and how you have your conversations inside your head? And Neville goes on to say, so if you walk the street or you ride the bus or you sit alone, you are still talking. At every moment of time, you are talking. And all you need to do is find out what you have been saying is to look at your world. Your world reflects this inner speech. I have seen it every time. I am not going to tell you I have not faltered. I would not for one moment tell you that I am always in control of the inner conversation. So here again, he's kind of giving us a hint that sometimes this tendency is so strong within us that we're going to falter. We're going to fall down the path of negative inner conversations. So just check in. Where's my conversation going? Neville goes on. The phone rings. This happens and you've told them over and over and your reaction may not be quite the right one, but you reacted anyway. No one heard it, but you heard it and your father heard it. And you are going to build your world based on exactly what you've done. So you watch it morning, noon, and night because you are going to play this part. The end of everyone's world is Christ. Everyone is moving toward the fulfillment of being God himself. Everyone. And therefore, the story of Christ, as told in the Gospels, you are going to play it. And when he awakes within you and unfolds within you, and you are Christ, and you know you are, you are going to find those who will eagerly take all that you have to say when you give them the loaves and the fish. And then this is going to happen in your life. Do not think for one moment, I came to bring peace upon this earth. I came not to bring peace, but a sword to set a man against his father and the daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. This will happen. And then comes the conflict in the world. And he is accused of being the devil. They say, he has a devil. Why do you listen to him? He is mad. But then when you have awakened from the dream of life, hear these things, you rejoice because you know your end is near. Oh, it has to take place to separate the sheep from the goats and let them go back into their world and genuflect and cross themselves for luck. And then those who can actually follow, they will follow for my own must come to me. So I hope that everyone here not only listens, but believes what I have said, for I've told you what I know from experience. God himself came and comes into human history in the person of Jesus Christ, in you, in me, in everyone. But when he comes in you, he awakens as you read the story then all that is told in that story concerning jesus christ you are going to experience so again neville's talking about the bible not as a 
historical story about characters. He's talking about the Bible as a metaphor for what each of us will experience. And he goes on to say, so when you tell the story to those who will readily believe it, when you feed them with the loaves and the fish based upon the law, how to get the building, how to get money, how to become famous and all that, they love it. Then you turn and you emphasize the end, the promise. And the promise is, ye will be as God. You don't need buildings because the whole world is yours and all within it. But they can't see that. They want more loaves and more fish. And then something will happen because you didn't come to bring peace upon earth. You came to bring a sword to separate the old from the new, and the conflict is on. And then suddenly eruptions will take place within families, and they will turn, completely turn against you. But you, knowing that you are the central figure of the gospel, you rejoice. You have nothing but pity for those who couldn't follow beyond a certain point. That's all that you have. No criticism, no condemnation, only pity that they couldn't go a little bit further, but it's all part of the play. So I tell you, you watch carefully what you are saying morning, noon, and night. When you go to bed at night, just watch your inner conversations and see that the sun is not descending upon your anger. Resolve it in that very moment and make it conform to your wish fulfilled and make that wish fulfilled a thing of love. What would it be like if it were true? Just what would it be like? Then carry on a conversation from the premise of the wish fulfilled, all clothed in love for anyone that you think of and watch how things happen in your world. So Neville here is explaining law of attraction right here, that if you're careful with your thought patterns, morning, noon, and night, and when you go to bed and you watch those inner conversations happening, and do not let the sun set in a provoked state, that means don't go to bed angry, because we don't want to carry that anger with us to the next day as it solidifies and crystallizes in our material world. So we get very clear that this wish is a thing of love. And he goes on to say, your night, may I tell you, if that is your last thought, it will dominate the dream of the night. You are completely dominated and your father is speaking to you constantly through the medium of dreams and through the medium of vision. And you will see the whole thing unfolding within you. And you will know that you are the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't go out and scream it from the housetops. You know it. And you walk in the comfort of being the awakened man. Who is God? Let everyone say exactly what he wants to say about you. And pay no attention to it. Because they have to do it. When you come down to the end, they have to do it. The separation must take place. And you don't justify it. 
Self-justification is the voice of hell. So you don't justify anything and you don't try to always be right. Another almost incurable disease of man is the necessity of always being right. So you don't make any effort to prove that you are right. You know what you have experienced and you can't deny the experience. So you go your way, telling it just as it comes to you. And it comes to you in the most glorious manner. It's all in scripture. So when you come to the end, you aren't disappointed and you aren't surprised that those that you sent off alive and free will now take up arms against you and call you insane, call you a devil, and would disrupt your family life. You know exactly what you've done. You have only told the truth. And when the truth comes into the world, it comes not to bring peace, but a sword. He is going to separate you from the traditional background that enslaved you in the past because real progress in this world, religious progress, is a gradual transition from a God of tradition to a God of experience. You experience God and the whole thing reflects it. His son calls you father and there is no uncertainty as to who he is and who you are and your whole memory returns. And here you stand before your everlasting son, and he knows it and you know it. And no person in the world could in any way dissuade you from knowing this. You have experienced it. You can't deny it. So Danny here, you know, with spiritual awakening, uh, a lot of people say, yes, I've experienced that. And we might look at them and say, well, on the outside, they look exactly the same, right? But on the inside, they are completely transformed. So this awakening is an inside job and you can't deny it because you've experienced it. He goes on to say, so I am telling you what it is in store for you. Use the gift wisely. Start now to use it. For if you use it, you are told. I will show you the salvation of God. Read it in the very last verse of the 50th Psalm. They translate the word conversations as manner of life and some the way of life. But in the King James Version, it's always translated conversations. 13 times that phrase is used. And it is always conversations. Put off the former conversations and then be renewed in the spirit of your mind. If you put it off, it's equated with the old man. Now, as I put it off, I have to replace it with something, a new conversation. So you are told in the book of Joel, let the weak say, I am strong. You read that in the third chapter of the 10th verse. Let the weak say, I am strong, for there is no other God. I am the Lord, and besides me, there is no God. So I set before you, and you make the choice. You can choose life, 
or you can choose death. You can choose the good or you can choose the evil, a blessing or a curse. It's entirely up to the man to choose anything and look into the manifest world and you'll see what we have chosen. So he's saying here, Neville's saying here that, you know, the weak, let the weak say I'm strong. So they can say, yeah, 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 I'm strong. But on the inside, you know exactly what's going on because you see what's happening in the world. The manifest world is going to show us what we have chosen. And obviously in today, we're seeing what's happening within our own minds because it's manifesting in chaos, the system not being able to sustain itself. We don't know how to self-sustain. And so our choices that we make are shown. We hoard we buy up things, we want things. And so the world is showing us the consequences of the manifest world because it's been solidified. And so he goes on to say, but every morning you see headlines, nothing but disaster. You see what man has chosen. He seems either to want it or he is fed it, one or the other. Look at the editorials. We need that in order to sell papers or else we ourselves are demanding it from him. But you feed upon it. Morning, noon, and night, we feast upon all this unloveliness and carry on this little internal mental conversations with ourselves, but they don't remain there. They balloon and objectify themselves and become solidified in our manifest world. So again, he's saying, the more you think about something, the more it's going to crystallize in our material world. So what you're thinking and what you're feeding yourself, whether you're thinking it yourself or you're being fed it, like what you watch and what you read is feeding you this. And Neville goes on to say, so this whole manifest world goes to show us what use or misuse we have made of God's gift. And God's gift is your mind and your speech. It's not your outer speech, for we know how deceptive that is. You see it morning, noon, and night. A salesman goes in and he is trained to deceive the buyer. The advertiser is trained to deceive the buyer. And everything is on the outside. God sees only the inside. Man sees the outer appearance and God sees the inner man. So when you watch your inner conversation, you are actually watching the new nature. That is your nature. And if you don't like it, change it. You put off the old man and then put on the new man and he will show you the salvation of God. Then the whole thing will unfold within you. I tell you from my own experience, before the promise was realized in me, seemingly, I had this conversation with my brother. Formally, I would argue mentally. We were 5,000 miles apart, and I needed money at the time. And when I found myself arguing with him, I broke it, tore the entire record up, and whether he sent me a nickel or not. I loved and praised him and thanked him and went about my business, not knowing where the next was coming from, for I had spent a fortune by taking off one solid year 
and living at the same level I had lived in previous years and spent money like water. Then came that moment I needed money. And inwardly, I carried on a conversation with him. And I thought that's a stupid thing to do. So I broke that record. And then I carried on the most glorious conversation with him, like two lovers, because I do love him and he loves me. And I changed that old man into a new man by changing my conversation with him. Do you know in no flat time, unasked, a very large, wonderful check came to me and no request. I didn't appeal at all. I was taking it out on the one I loved because I myself spent the money like a drunken sailor. And then here, inwardly, I am arguing with my brother. And when I broke it and actually carried on the most loving conversation with him, all about the family life and all these marvelous things, suddenly out of nowhere came a very large, wonderful check. And I didn't appeal it. So what he's saying here was his inner conversation. So he himself went a year not working, but spending money as if, you know, he had an unlimited supply. And then he realized he was going to need money. And he realized his brother had money. And he was having an inner dialogue, arguing with his brother to give him some money. And what he, when he realized what he was doing, he broke it off. And he changed the conversation. So he, um, the old man, he took off and he put on the new man. So he took off the old man, the old way of inner conversations, where he was literally having an argument with his brother about his brother giving him money. And he put on the new man where he had on this beautiful conversation um, and loving conversation about the family and blessing him and marvelous things happening. And then suddenly out of nowhere came all this money. So we can see that it starts from this inner conversation. If you're going to ask someone for money, what kind of inner conversation are you having? One of argument and having to justify your need for the money or one of blessings for that person because that person has so many wonderful blessings that it can be shared and you are you are blessed to be uh, having blessings stowed upon. So it's this inner conversation that he is really, really looking at. And he goes on to say, so I am telling you from experience, I know it works this way. Yet, if you are in the mood to argue, you so love the argument, it costs you nothing. So you are having the time of your life, but it doesn't stop there. It's going to balloon and crystallize and manifest itself in your world. So watch it. And do you know it becomes a pleasant thing after a while to actually carry on loving conversations? It becomes very pleasant. But if you are honest with yourself, you would say just what this darling of mine said to me. I never practice it. It came through and I recorded it and you used it, but I personally never practice it. Still inwardly, I carry on the same old conversations that I always did. So what Neville is saying here is that, you know, these words came through 
and their beautiful words and their wise words, and we should be following those words, but we choose to follow it or not. So even though these words came through his darling, that she, she admitted, I never practice it. It came through and I recorded it, but you used it, you practice it, but I've personally never practiced it. And inwardly, I still carry on the same habitual conversations that I always did. So the truth came on this person, but this person did not take it inwardly. They still had the same old man inside that was running the show, so to speak. And Neville goes on to say, so I say to you now, as we are going up toward the end, believe me, I would not deceive you. I have told you exactly what happened to me as to the promise. I have told you exactly what I have proven as to the law. It will not fail you. You can take the law and put it into practice now. Don't wait until tomorrow. Do it now. And I know that if you carry on these conversations, the promise of the 50th Psalm will take form. He will show you the salvation of God. And the salvation of God is simply, you awaken as God. That's how he shows it to you. He came and he comes into human history in the person of Jesus Christ. And there is only one Jesus Christ. So when it happens, you are Jesus Christ. You don't change your name. You are still Mary. You are still Stan. You are still John. But when it happens, you know who you are. You don't go and ask the judge to change your name to Jesus. You walk the streets still as Stanley, still as Mary, still as Neville. But you know who you are. And then when things do happen, because you know who you are, these things have to happen. They must accuse you of being insane. They must accuse you of being deceitful and leading people astray. It's all part of scripture, but you are not amazed. You only have pity and mercy for those who could not go further than they are, and then they fall by the wayside. These are the four on which the seed falls, the highway, among the thorns, among the rocks, and then on good soil, and you can't help it. You can only scatter the seed and let it fall where it will, and it will fall on those four kinds of soil. You can only scatter the seed and let it fall where it will, and it will fall on those four kinds of soil. It always falls on four as it falls on the good it will simply rise within them and they will have the identical experience that you had. When it falls on the highway, quickly other ideas devour it. When it falls among the thorns, the cares of the world encroach upon it and choke it. If it falls on the rock and the rock is not prepared to let the root go deep, the sun scorches it and suddenly something comes up and it's all gone. But when the soil has been prepared, it goes deep and it bears a hundredfold. So I tell you, the whole story is about you. 
And one day you will know, actually know, you are the Lord Jesus Christ. And you cannot avoid the story. It will happen to you too. Don't think for one moment that you are going to awaken knowing you are the Lord Jesus Christ and not have those to whom you poured out your soul, who took the loaves and the fish, turn upon you and accuse you of being mad and therefore an evil one and not anything should be done with you. Turn from you completely. You'll find it. But then being conscious of the fact that you have received the entire story, you can only go back to the written word of God and know it had to happen. It just had to happen. And when these signs come, the end is not far. Now, let us go into silence. So here, Neville is really emphasizing control your inner conversations because what we keep telling ourselves over and over and over again on the inside, even though on the outside, we might be telling people, those close to us, something completely different. God knows what's going on on the inside. And it's the inside that's going to crystallize in your material world. So controlling our inner conversation, first becoming aware, our inner thoughts, and we can replace these inner thought patterns, habitual patterns. We can replace them with thoughts we want to have more of. Like if what we're seeing in our world is not something we like, we bless it and we hold a space of gratitude anyway. Because what that does is it brings out what's really going on inside us. It crystallizes in the material world what is really going on inside us. So Neville's right. Control your inner conversations. And sometimes we'll hear a thought and then we'll believe it to be true. And this right here can cause suffering and create a space where we can't see what's true other than the thought we keep telling ourselves over and over again. So sometimes these inner conversations will blind us to the truth. So with that said, thank you for being on this journey with me to these Neville Goddard lecture series and some commentaries in applying it to, the, to today. And even though this lecture was first given in 1971, and I was five years old at the time and learning about my world at the time, and here, you know, almost 50 years later, how much these words apply to our world today. So thank you for being on this trip with me, with Neville Goddard. He is here, right here in my heart. And uh, blessings on this. And I look forward to you being with me on our next lecture series. Blessings.